I have a confession to make. I had the idea to write a book for years before I finally put pen to paper and published the book. So the big question is this, how do people like me who battle doubt and insecurity push past their fears and publish a book? Well, that is the question, and this podcast is going to give you the answers. So join me as I bring you behind-the-scenes interviews and insights so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. Well, welcome back to Book Publishing A to Z. This is part Five, and it's my pleasure to continue this journey with you through the alphabet so that we can help you publish a book that makes an impact and allows you to earn an income. In this episode, we are starting with the letter R, but that means that you've missed a lot if you are just joining us. So be sure to backtrack a little bit and check out parts one through four so that you don't miss a thing. Well, let's jump in. Our first term is returns. And as I was thinking about this, I think one of the easiest ways for me to explain this is to give you a very practical example. So think about the holiday season, right? Sometimes we get a gift and for whatever reason, the gift does not work out and we have a gift receipt and we take that gift back to the store to get a refund or to exchange it for something else. So it's a similar concept when it comes to books. So let's say that your books are put into a bookstore, for example. It's put on the shelves and it's there and available for customers to purchase that book. If the bookstore cannot sell all the books, there is a process by which they can return the books to, in some instances, if it's traditionally published book, they can return it to the publisher. If it's a self-published book, then that means that it's going to be a return against your account. So as you can imagine, this probably isn't the most exciting experience, right? You know, no one wants to have a situation where their book is returned, but why is this clause or this ability for bookstores to return the books even in play? Well, one of the things that we have to understand, and you've heard me say this many times that, you know, books are a business. And I want you to think of book publishing as a consignment business. So bookstores and other retails are going to sell what they can. They're going to do what they can to promote your book. But if it doesn't work out, they don't want to lose, right? So one of the things that you accept when you place your book in bookstores is this concept that the book could be returned. Now, the industry standard for returns, I'm told, is around the 30% range. So that means if you send out 100 books, you can expect that about 30 of them may come back. So this could be discouraging, right? If we weren't having this conversation today, it could be discouraging because you're thinking, wow, I'm getting 30 books back. But just remember that this is par for the course in the industry. It doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. As a matter of fact, it means that it is normal 
right? So this is just a normal part of business. If you have a publisher, you'll see these refunds on your royalty statements as a negative dollar amount. But again, it doesn't mean that anything went wrong. It, in essence, essentially means that a sale was never made, right? They were done, placed in the store on consignment. And because they did not sell, the retailer has a right to return those books, right? As a indie publisher though, without a distributor, if you take returns, then there's an ability to resell them. So as long as it's not a damaged book, you could put that book back on the market and possibly see a sale, all right? So, you know, this is one of those things that is maybe not so pleasant of a part of the business, but the more that you understand how things work, the more that we can avoid reacting emotionally and can therefore respond prayerfully and thoughtfully about what to do next. It's not anything fun, but it is par for the course and that is important for you to know. All right, so we've talked about returns. Let's move on to our next topic for today, which is reviews. Now, this is probably one that you're very familiar with. Even if this is your first time around with publishing a book, chances are you have used reviews to make a decision. It could be as simple as choosing what restaurant to eat at, uh, what hotel you are going to stay at on vacation. We are in a world right now that is largely influenced by reviews. So the same thing happens when an author publishes a book, right? So this is an opinion that is published by someone who has read or purchased the book to give feedback on their experience. Now, a lot of times when I talk to authors, their goal is to get more reviews. And as your fellow author, I totally, totally get it. Because again, reviews help to influence a reader or a potential buyer to make the decision, if it's a library, for example, to check out the book, or if it is a book on Amazon, for example, to purchase the book. So online reviews are very important these days because back in the day, people used to physically go into bookstores to purchase books, but now many people leverage Amazon to make their decision. So if a potential buyer finds your book, you will want to make sure that your book is presented in the best possible light. Now, 100% of this is not under your control, just like we talked about with reviews, right? So there could be this random rogue person that submits a review. And so in those instances, listen, it's not in your control. So this is one of those control what you can control situations, right? Control what you can control and just do your best to pull out a quality book and know that, you know, readers and potential buyers are smart, right? Don't you do the same thing? So even when you see a negative review, you tend to read the reviews to see what the others said, right? And, and, and try to get a picture for, was this a one-off or is this a consistent opinion of the book? So trust that your readers and potential buyers are just as intelligent and they're going to do the same. So that's why it's key to try to get as many reviews as you can, try to get as many positive, so four and five star reviews as you can, especially knowing that there's going to be a rogue out there that's going to submit a low review. And then here's the big piece is we want people to actually write in the comments about their experience, not just give it a star, but to actually explain why it was a good experience. 
This gives you implied credibility from actually a couple of places. One, from the person who wrote the review. That means they benefited from the book. But then also from the online retailer that's selling the book. So one of the things that many people do not know is that Amazon will actually pull a review if they believe that it has been influenced by the author, right? So just the fact that a review is still out there lends some credibility that it may be worth a buy, right? So if how to get reviews is something that's on your mind, be sure to join us in the Christian Authors Network Facebook group where we have an entire section on how to attract reviews and how to do it in a way that doesn't make you salesy or pushy, that's really, really natural and comfortable in making that request. Before I move on, I do want to share that there is more than one type of review. So we've talked about the consumer review, but there's also the professional review. So this is one that's performed by a well-respected authority in the book market. And because these authorities are so prestigious, a favorable book review can easily boost your book's profile, right? So it can actually bump it up a notch within the industry, including Christian retailers. So that means a good review could mean that a coveted bookstore is willing to stock your book. Now, if you are self-published, this can be a little more tricky because some professional markets do not review self-published books. So you really have to do the research to identify the ones that do. I'll share one. Book Life from Publishers Weekly reviews tens of thousands of traditionally published books and they also review self-published books. So make sure that you check out Book Life and get your book a professional review. It will help to elevate its perception in the market. All right, so we've covered reviews, we've covered returns. Let's move on to our next topic, which is royalties. Now, most people think of royalties in the perspective of a traditional publishing deal, which we will actually tackle in more detail in part seven. So make sure that you hang in there with us in the series. And while that is true, it's important to know that royalties come into play with both traditional and self-publishing. So let me tackle traditional publishing first. All right. So one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that royalty rates are a percentage of the sale of the book, a percentage of the sale of the book. And so when it's a traditional publishing deal, the publishing house has taken all the risks, right? There's no upfront financial costs. So that means that just thinking about it as a business, right? That the royalty rates are going to be lower, right? Because they're putting up all the money on the front end to support your book. They're paying editors, they're paying publicists, all of these different things are happening to bring your book together. So of course that's going to have an impact on a royalty, right? So typically what happens is when you get a traditional publishing deal, there's some type of advance against the royalties and then there's a royalty rate, right? So the median author advance, I've seen a lot of different things out there. I've seen some things in the neighborhood of 6,000, some 10,000. 
What I want you to know is it really varies depending upon the strength of the deal, your platform, which is really, really important, your social media presence, your email list, things of that nature. All of that is going to come into play when your literary agent, which we talked about in part four, helps to negotiate your deal. So you may get an advance up front, and then that advance is against the royalties which are typically somewhere between 7% and 25% of the net book price. So let's say you go ahead and get an advance of $5,000. Then that means you have your book has to earn more than $5,000 in order for you to break even. Well, it's got to make $5,000 for it to break even. And then for you to earn any additional money, it's got to sell more than that, right? So we'll talk about that more in part seven, but that's important for you to understand, right? The things that come with the traditional publishing package, right? Now, also keep in mind that royalty percentage are typically on the net, all right? So that means after all discounts, returns, which we just talked about, any marketing costs and overhead, all of that, is taken off the top before your percentage is calculated, right? So it's kind of like, I don't know if you grew up like me, you know, you're learning about the music industry, right? There's all the costs that go behind that hit group being out, you know, and promoting their book. All of those things come out before they get paid. It's the same way in a traditional publishing business, right? So now you've got to factor in it's going to end up being seven to 25%. It's going to be net. And the 25% is on the generous side, which means that that's typically reserved for pretty well-known authors. The rates also are going to differ depending upon the type of book format. So whether it's hardback or ebook. So there's a lot of factors there. And then, you know, I've heard a lot of things about royalty reports, right? They, they come at a pretty infrequent basis. I hear most often about every six months. And they're not the easiest thing to read. So understand while there is a royalty for traditional publishing books and you may get in advance, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be raining money. Now, on the other hand, let's talk about self-published books. So it's a trade-off and we're going to talk more about self-published in just a bit. And then you'll need to make sure that you continue to listen so that you can learn about small presses. That's one other option and traditional publishing. Okay. So if you, let's say you self-publish your book and let's say you price in that, you know, $2.99 to $9.99 range, you can actually get a 70% royalty, right? A 70% royalty. Of course, the difference here is that you have put the money up front. You've also done the work to get your editors and all that, right? So the royalty reflects that you are the person or those that you have hired and managed are doing the work. But here's the good news. You need to sell far fewer books in order to make the same amount of money with self-publishing. Now, that's not to say that this is a get-rich-quick scheme. If you've been following me, you know that I do not believe that that is the case. But if we publish a good quality book, a polished professional book that represents us well, that represents God well, and it sets you up to start or grow that coaching, speaking, consulting business, then this can be a really great deal. So you're getting a much higher royalty on the book and it's setting you up for success business-wise, right? 
So not a get rich quick scheme by any means, but you can earn a great living when you approach it the right way. And I like to say the easy way. The hard way is to not do all these things that we're talking about in this series. It just makes the process so much more frustrating and so much more painful. All right, well, let's get ready to wrap things up. Let's talk about self-publishing. Now, you know, I've been doing a lot of podcast interviews lately. Make sure that you tune in. We've got some great guests that are going to be joining us July through September. It's going to be such a blessing to you and help you to continue to move forward in your journey. But most of them have self-published. And so the question may be when traditional publishing is often coveted, why in the world would a person choose to self-publish a book? Well, first of all, if your desire is to use it to set up a career as a speaker, a coach, or consultant, it's going to allow you a lot more flexibility, right? You have the option to distribute, change, or repurpose the writing in any way that you choose. That's not the case with a traditionally published book. Also, keep in mind that as a business owner, this becomes another product that you offer to your customers, right? So it kind of sets you up to be able to introduce yourself, kind of break that ice and have that client get to know you to help educate them on what you have to offer and positions you to be the answer to their questions and the solution to their problem. All you need are some very simple pieces of equipment. You don't have to wait to get a literary agent. You don't have to go through the negotiating process. You don't have to worry about parts of your book being taken out. It is what you want to say, how you want to say it. Self-publishing is an option that provides you maximum flexibility and all you really need to make it happen at a basic level is a computer, some basic writing skills, and an internet connection right? So you get to, in this instance, you know, maintain full control over the book. You can market it however you please and as fast as you please, right? So you are in control of that process. And often your book gets to market so much faster when you self-publish, okay? It can be a matter of a week or depending upon where you are in the journey, it might take 90 days, right? But that's so much shorter, we'll talk about this more than most traditional publishing paths, right? Now, it does mean that you have to do the things that we've been talking about, right? That means you've got to be in charge of making all the decisions, which could be a good thing. You need to hire your own editing, design, and publishing teams or do it yourself. You're on the hook for everything, in essence, when you go the self-publishing path. But that can also be very empowering as long as you've been listening to these episodes, you've been checking out the material in the Christian Authors Network Facebook group, you can do this and you can do it successfully. So I pray that this episode has been a blessing to you. Let's talk real quick about what you can expect in part six. So in part six, we move over to the letter S going to talk about what slush is and how it relates to the book industry. We'll talk about small press so that you understand how that fits into the publishing picture, table of contents, and 
territories. Territories, that's a really important one for you to understand to make sure that you get maximum benefit and exposure for your book. So make sure that you join us here for part six. God bless. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode of Publishing Secrets, where our mission is to inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God. If this episode has been a blessing to you, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, then rate and review. And if you want support in your journey, whether you are a current author or an aspiring author, then join us on Facebook in the Christian Authors Network. Wherever you are in your journey, we have the best next step for you. So join us there and get the support that you need to make the impact that you have been called to make. Until next time, God bless.